Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. So Ruth chapter 4 and verse 1, where Boaz redeems Ruth. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, come aside, friend, sit down here. So he came and sat down. Now he goes to the town gate. The town gate is where people got their personal and their civic business affairs taken care of. That's where they they got together to take care of issues. It was kind of like the center of commerce. It was the grand meeting place for doing all kinds of work with, with everybody. And so this close relative comes by to the town gate. Did Boaz summon him or did God bring him? I don't know. We just know God's working and he's there. That's good stuff. So he sits down with Boaz. Now they're going to get some business done. Why would you do this business in front of people? You're going to have witnesses to confirm everything. So Ruth 4 and 2. And he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the close relative, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it. And I am next after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Okay, so he wants it. He wants to do it. There's some land. Ah, that sounds good to me. Good business deal for me. I get some land. What can you do with land? You can put animals on it. You can grow crops on it. It can make you money. He wants this. So Boaz is making this official business here because he called this quorum of 10 men. And I understand that after that, Israelites started making their quorums of 10 men to establish things because of how it worked for Boaz. It kind of set a precedent here. So he wanted the witnesses to make it valid so that it would be official. And the first thing he brings up is about this area of land that belongs to uh, Naomi's deceased husband, Elimelech, who had died in Moab. Now, Naomi apparently had this land up for sale because of her poverty that she was in. Now, chapter 4 is the first time we hear about this land. We we didn't hear about it in in 1 through 3. We didn't know what the buying back matter was. We knew it was over Ruth and Naomi, but what was the essential business deal about? It's, It's over this land. And and I actually, if you recall, I had us purposely look forward ahead to chapter 4 so that we can understand just exactly what this was all going to center around, this, this land here. Because it was, what was the item of value being redeemed here that would help Naomi and Ruth? I wanted us to understand what was being dealt with in the Redeemer law. But in this case, it was Naomi's land, which would provide financial security to her. And not only that, but like I said, 
It could be farmed. It could be uh, with, with food or, or agri- uh, animals, whatever. Naomi could use this land herself. If you think of it, if she had her entitlement to be on this land, she could plant her own crops. She could have her own animals come in and raise them. She needs something to sustain her to live off of because she's, she's poor. She's a widow. And so you can see how this land, one way or the other, would benefit Naomi. And so I want to take us back to Leviticus real quick in Leviticus 25 so we can see how this law works, how this Redeemer law applies to our story. In Leviticus 25 and 25, God established these laws to help keep the Jewish people surviving. Those are his covenant people. They need to be here on the earth. So it says, if one of your brethren becomes poor and has sold some of his possession, and if his redeeming relative comes to redeem it, then he may redeem what his brother sold. Or if the man has no one to redeem it, but he himself becomes able to redeem it, then let him count the years since its sale and restore the remainder to the man to whom he sold it, that he may return to his possession. So this is about redeeming, buying back, setting up security for people. Okay, that's what was to ensure that so that nobody could take something and keep it indefinitely. It's mine now. You could come. These people had the right to come redeem it back. And so Boaz, he's really quickly. Remember, he just told Ruth like that night. I'm going to deal with it in the morning. <laughs> he's being real fast. I would say from a man's point of view, he, he wants her. <laughs> and so he's acting quickly by this law from Leviticus to g- seek security for Ruth and and Naomi. So the nearer relative had first rights to redeeming Naomi's land but because he was closer a relative than Boaz was. And he said, I will do it. I think this guy is looking at it from just a business point of view. Mm, what can I do with all that land? I can do this and this and this. He's thinking uh, shekels in his mind. So Ruth 4 and 5. Boaz has a different mindset right now. He's not thinking shekels. He's thinking Ruth and Naomi, okay? He's got love in his angle. So Ruth 4 and 5. Then, look at this. Watch what happens. He dumps something else on him now. He goes, then Boaz said, on the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also (laughs) buy it from Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. Okay, he says, first it's about land. Okay, I'll do it. Then he goes, okay, then you also got to do this for young girl Ruth. Uh Uh-oh. You see what Boaz just did? He asked him, let him answer, and he goes, oh, and you also got to do this, by the way. (laughs) Why does this relative also have to buy the land for Ruth? Why Why does he have to get in on this too? Because Ruth married Naomi's son. He had also died just as Naomi's husband, Elimelech, had died. But Ruth is married into the family line. And so she is part of this deal now. She's married in. Friends, when you become grafted in to the family of the Lord God, you become part of the family business. Okay? You're in. You get all the benefits therein. Okay? So she's married into the family line. And so Elimelech's family name, because he's died, would have passed down to his own son. But since his own son is also dead, then that means that Ruth is included in the redemption responsibility. Therefore, this closer relative had to buy, as the text says, if you read it, it says to perpetuate the name. 
He says to perpetuate the name. In other words, Boaz told him, you also have to father a son through Ruth, and this son will end up, end up inheriting all this stuff that you're going to buy. Well, it doesn't look like quite the deal he thought it was now, does it? <laughs> He's thinking, oh, I'll buy this land. I could do this with it and this with it. I can make all this money. Uh, you have to father a son now. And to perpetuate his name, he gets it all. Doesn't look like a good deal anymore to Mr. Money Man here, does it? Because now he has, to, he has to put love in it now. Oh. <laughs> Which way is this guy serving? Is he serving money or the Lord? Does he have love for others to be blessing or does he want to make money? I think he's kind of a money man, personally. You also have to father son. He's going to get it all. The son will get it all, which will perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. Okay? Now watch what he does, Ruth 4 and 6. And the close relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself. <laughs> he's, he's done a 180. He just did, just did an about face. I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm anything. One man took off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was a confirmation in Israel. Therefore, the close relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. So he took off his sandal. Now, that's interesting to me when you, when you see this. The dynamic suddenly changed. He feels like he's not getting anything out of it. He's, he doesn't get to be a, a taker. Now he has to be a giver. And, and that throws people. When you, when you show them that you have to be a giver, Instead of a taker, oh, it throws them all kind of crazy. You know, they ha- in America, people have this concept that Christianity is about being a taker, a taker, a taker, a taker. God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. But as soon as they find out you have to sacrifice, give of yourself to bless other people, well, I don't want it anymore. I'll go somewhere else. I'll go find a pastor that gives me the prosperity talk I want to hear. And that's what I see happening with this guy. Suddenly he changes mind once the stakes changed. Now, I'll expand on why I think he did that here in a minute. But basically, first, Boaz had just become the rightful redeemer. That's the bigger point right now. <laughs> Boaz became that redeemer. We were all rooting for Boaz. Go Boaz. Oh, what's this closer relative? Kind of a bummer, huh? Well, now he got it. He got it. And the relative sandal was passed to Boaz to confirm the transaction. But the, the, the closer relative gave up his right to redeem, and he passed it over. To Boaz. Now, this seems like kind of an odd way to confirm a transaction. Why not just sign papers? <laughs> Why not shake hands? What, pass a sandal. What, uh, what, what is that? It was kind of a dramatic way of saying, I now transfer over to you the right to walk on this property. This is now yours. You walk on this property. It's now going to belong to you. They pass the sandal. But also, it was a custom written in the law of Deuteronomy from Deuteronomy 25. We're doing a lot of Deuteronomy 25. And, uh, and, and others, uh, some law stuff here. Deuteronomy 25 and 5 says, If brothers dwell together, and one of them dies and has no son, the widow of the dead man shall not be married to a stranger outside the family. Her husband's brother shall go into her, take her as his wife, and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And it shall be that the firstborn son which she bears will succeed to the name of his dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. But if the man does not want to take his brother's wife, 
Then let his brother's wife go up to the gate of to the elders and say, My husband's brother refuses to raise up a name to his brother in Israel. He will not perform the duty of my husband's brother. Then the elders of the city shall call him and speak to him. But if he, but if he stands firm and says, I do not want to take her, then his brother's wife shall come to him in the presence of the elders, remove his sandal from his foot, spit in his face, and answer and say, So shall it be done to the man who will not build up his brother's house. And his name shall be called in Israel, the house of him who had his sandal removed. Whew! This is serious business. God wanted to make sure that troubled Israelites, troubled Jews, could survive. And he set this up that they were to help one another. Christians, us too, we're supposed to help one another. You don't let your brother fall and stay down. You help him. And so it was kind of an insulting thing. You know, from the law, you can see how it was a disgrace to refuse to perpetuate the family name, to to perpetuate the family line if the task fell upon you to do it. If that was your obligation, you were the closest. It was up to you to do it, and you wouldn't do it. Shame on you. It was an obligation that God wanted responsible family members to keep his covenant people moving forward in his promises. Friends, are you glad that God makes sure that we keep moving forward? He does things for us too. Even us Gentiles, he keeps us going. He gave you a congregation. He gave you an assembly, people that could get around to help make sure you keep going. So also, for someone to say, no, I won't do it, but I'm not going to do it. It was shameful. First Timothy agrees with this by saying, if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. God's serious about upholding your family. He's very serious about that. People expected the next of kin to do what was expected of them. It was their job to do it. Now, I want us to look at how fast Boaz set up the business scene here. He told Ruth he'd get after it in the morning, didn't he? In the past chapter. And Ruth 4 and 2 says, He brought the relative to the elders of the city. Do you see how he's already putting him at the town gate? (laughs) Remember, Deuteronomy 25 said, If the man won't do his duty to produce a firstborn son, then bring him to the elders of the city. To get a little talking to is kind of what that was. It's almost as if Boaz wants Ruth so much, He's already got this guy positioned in front of the elders. Boaz is ready to pounce. Can you see how quick he's moved this? Hey, come over here to the elders. I mean, he's already getting in front of witnesses. He's ready to pounce that if this guy backs out of the deal, then he'll have to do it with the elders already there. Boaz is setting this stuff up. Boaz is a businessman. He knows how to work things. knows how to work it. (laughs) And so... Did you notice that Boaz presented the terms of the deal when he first mentioned the deal? He only mentioned Naomi and the property, and then he allowed the relative to respond to that, Naomi and the property. But then once the relative said he'd redeem it, then Boaz throws Ruth and the perpetuation of the name through a son into the whole thing. After he gave his initial response, it's almost as if Boaz is testing this guy to see what his character is really going to produce. 
Let's see how he reacts when I put it this way, but then let's see what he does when he finds out the rest. Maybe we're going to find two sides of this guy. If this guy was genuine, he would have said yes to both. I'll take her and I'll take Ruth too. I'll do both. But he's demonstrating to the elders, this guy is a flip-flop kind of character. He doesn't want what's good. That's not good for Ruth and Naomi. Friends, you want somebody with integrity, don't you? If somebody says they're going to do something, they're going to do it all the way. If they're going to do it here, they're going to do it there too, right? I, I see what Boaz is doing. It, it, this guy's kind of getting exposed. He's being tested, so to speak. Boaz wants the best for Naomi and Ruth, and the closer relative just got proven before the elders to be selfish-minded. This isn't the guy for Ruth. This is not the guy for Naomi. He wants the best for them. Now, when it was about an old widow who was past her childbearing years, the relative was all in because he saw it as gaining land for himself. A big gain. I get something out of it. But once he found out about young Ruth, who can still have children, it suddenly hit him that if he goes through with this, he won't gain anything for himself. It's all going to end up belonging to this son that he does not even want to raise. That's what he realized. Forget about perpetuating a family member's name. Forget about helping two poor widows. Forget about doing the right thing. I can't do it or else I ruin what I've got. Y'all hear that? I'll ruin my own inheritance. Can't do it. Well, poor you. These two widows are in poverty, in the verge of dying, and you're worried about your grand inheritance. He would not sacrifice of himself to save others. It's an ungodly characteristic. This guy is more concerned about himself than anyone else. He was all in when it looked like he'd get something out of it, but once he realized he had to give up what he had, sacrifice, no way, I'm out. That's what just happened. You can see why the law said to spit in their face. Selfishness. He refused to give himself to save others. And I believe that is the reason why the biblical text never gives us this man's name. Do y'all know what his name is? I don't see it. I think his name was struck from the written record because it was a dishonor to him. His refusal to take up his duty by law that God wrote to perpetuate the family name caused his name in the text to be blotted out. Ruth 4 and 9. And Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Killian's and Malin's from the hand of Naomi. Moreover, (laughs) I like the way he said that. Moreover, I get more out of it than just that. (laughs) Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malin, I have acquired as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from his position at the gate. You are witnesses this day. Boaz, he's excited, isn't he? I'm excited for Boaz too. And that was thousands of years ago. (laughs) And I'm still excited for him. Boaz acquired all of it. All of it. He bought it all. Y'all hear a ring in that? Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Boaz bought every bit of it. And look at this. He was not ashamed or reluctant to proclaim publicly, even before the elders, Ruth the Moabitess, the foreigner, the foreigner. 
She's not from around here. She's from way out there somewhere. She's not one of us. He proclaimed in the town gate in front of everybody, Ruth the Moabitess, my wife. He wasn't ashamed of her. I thought that was great. He was not ashamed to take her. Because of his great love for Ruth, he acknowledged her aloud, willfully, and publicly before everybody. That's acceptance all the way. I'm going to cash in on that in a little bit. Ruth 4 and 11. And all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel. And may you prosper, and may you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman. Wow, what a festive moment for Boaz. Not so much for the nameless relative, though, (laughs) but a festive moment for Boaz. And a blessing was pronounced over them by the people. And if you see how they invoked the name of Tamar, who's Tamar? Tamar is somebody from Genesis 38. If you want to look it up, if you read the story, you'll see a similar situation to what we're reading right here. Tamar went through the same next of kin process, just like what we just saw here with Boaz and Ruth. She went through the next of kin process so that she could bear a son to Judah. That's why they said they built Israel, because they they perpetuated the tribe of Judah. What's important about the tribe of Judah? That's where the Messiah came from, okay? Jesus Christ. So they perpetuated Judah by bearing a son. And so uh, the tribe of Judah descended from, from that. And so the people who pronounced this blessing to Boaz and Ruth, they probably consisted of people from the tribe of Judah that understood that they wouldn't even have existed right now if it weren't for the kinsman-redeemer process. They're like, they recognize, this is a big deal. We're here because of the same thing. If it weren't for this process, which enabled which enabled them to have a son named Perez back in the day, who was the one who perpetuated the name of Judah, they may not be there. So they're festive. Yeah, look what just happened. We're pronouncing a blessing. May you be like them that built Israel. Wow. They understand firsthand how significant this transaction meant for people who would be down the line from them. Big time for them. Ruth 4 and 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women, many of them, they got around her. What? Look at this assembly. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you. Guys, Naomi came back thinking the Lord left her, right? Remember, she was bitter and hurt and heartbroken. They're, they're, she's, they're helping to restore her. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative, and may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.